I would like for you to turn to the 15th chapter of the book of Luke this morning for a lesson. This is a familiar parable that is taught and it's illustrating the love that Jesus has for lost souls. And our theme this morning is really the theme of how much Jesus loves the lost. How much Jesus loves the lost. That's where we want to really center our uh, thoughts. This is, is a, a time when the, they drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now I want you to key in on the accusation. They're accusing my Lord and your Lord and my Savior and your Savior of really receiving sinners. And that's his purpose. That's his purpose is to receive sinners. And they accused him of eating with them, which he did. But his heart is troubled and he knows their thoughts. And he teaches them in response to their not understanding, the religious people of his day, the dedicated people, the front seat people, the pew people, the people who contributed their prosperity to furthering religion, the people who were pious, the people who knew all the answers, the people who knew the scriptures. They didn't understand Jesus' love for sinners. And they murmured, and they complained about Jesus receiving sinners Maybe we are so tied up in our criticism because of our tradition and our mindset that we fail to see really the purpose of Christianity. So Jesus wanted them to understand, and he spake this parable. He said, a man having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the ninety and nine and in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? Could he find it? Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is after the lost. Jesus is after the sinner. And when he hath found it, he left on his shoulder. He didn't beat him all the way back. He didn't drive him all the way back. 
He laid him on his shoulder. And he was glad that he had found a sinner. A humanity could not understand that. But more than that, when he came home, he called all his friends and his neighbors. And he wanted them to rejoice with him that he had found his lost. Now, I don't know who you are and where you are in your thinking, but you're a sinner. And if you haven't allowed the sheep to take you in his arms and on his shoulder and to save you, you're lost. But he loves you. And he wants to save you. And he wants everyone to rejoice about your salvation. The seventh verse is the punchline. I say unto you likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner. That changes. Jesus did not come to condone sin and to tell people to live in sin and to tell people to not change. He came to get people to be holy, to make them holy, to make them righteous, to make them like God, because he is God and he is holy and he's perfect. And he said there's more rejoicing over a lost person the thing that Jesus wanted to get into the audience's mind is that lost people were his concern. And that the heavens would rejoice when lost people repented. And he said, now look at it in another way. There's a woman who has silver, pieces of silver. And she loses one. When she loses one, that's how I love a sinner. That's how I love a person who is out of step with God. Just like she lost her pieces of silver, I love my people. I love my creation. I want them to be holy. I want them to be saved. I do not want them to be lost. That's the lesson. I love the lost. And I'm going to seek diligently till I find it. I'm not looking through a spyglass to see all their sins and to magnify them. I want to save them. <laughs> they are sinners. I'm looking for them. I came to save them. They're my people, my creation. And when I find them, these people who are criticizing and murmuring, when I find it, when she found it, she called her friends and rejoiced together. Why? It's a happy occasion. It's wonderful. Rejoicing with me, for I have found this peace that was lost. The tenth verse is like the seventh. Likewise, I'll make the point again, he said. I say unto you, there is joy 
Now, in heaven, in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner that changes God wants us to change and repent and to be like Him. He is holy. He did no sin, neither was God found in His mouth. Now He climaxes this with a son, with a story about a son. A son who rebels. A son who has free choice. A son who runs away from God. A son who goes out and indulges in everything sinful. And then he comes to himself. And Jesus is seeking him. Jesus is seeking him. He's, he's out receiving sinners. I'm seeking him. He's out in the hog pen. He's out eating this husk. He has no, he spent all of his money. He spent everything God has given him. That sees us in our deteriorated condition. Our relationship with God. But the Father's looking. The Father's waiting. Jesus has never taken his eye off the center. For years he's in the planning. For years he has planned to come and to take on flesh and to help that sinner, to save that sinner. The Old Testament scriptures are filled. Isaiah 53, Psalms 22. My God, my God, when he gave his life for the sins of the people. Isaiah 53, a lamb led to the slaughter. By his stripes we are healed. There are hundreds of passages of Scripture spoken by different prophets in different places at different times, all come together in one book. And it's fulfilled by a man, not a man, but a man who has his God. No other religion has anything like that in it. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islamic. The personal relationship with God is lost in those religions, and Jesus is only a prophet according to them. But Jesus is God. And the Old Testament is filled with hundreds of passages that were spoken at different times and different places by different people, and all focus in on the same story. And Jesus fulfills it after many, many years. Verbatim, right to the T. And he's come to claim his own. And in John 1 and verse 12, he said he came to his own. And his own received him not. But as to many as them that would receive him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. And that's what he's trying to do when they criticized him. Do you know what the 12th chapter says in Luke? He told about a feast that was offered for people to come in, and nobody came. 
It was relating to the Jews. When no one came, he said, well, I'll tell you what to do. Go out and tell everybody to come in. Tell the Gentiles to. And they came in. And finally he came in and said, Master, I've told everybody. He said, go out in the highways and the hedges and the byways and tell everybody that they come in because there's room in my house. He taught that they hadn't heard one thing he said. They had tuned him out. And when he was going to the center to discuss with them the things that they needed to hear, they criticized him. And he said the most precious thing in the world is a lost soul. And I'll describe it to you by a shepherd that takes his lamb and the rejoicing that happens when he finds that lost soul. And it's like money. People like money, and when they lose it and they find it, they rejoice. But a lost soul is like a piece of money that's found. But more than that, it's like a son that was lost. You don't understand that the sinners are my sons they're my creation. I love them. And you know, Jesus died for our sins. You know the difference between religion and Christianity? Religion is like these Pharisees. They said, well, how much do we have to do? Oh, what do we have to do? What is it that we don't have to do? What do we, we can't do? What is it that we can't do now? Uh, what is it that you can't, you can't heal on the Sabbath? You can't do this. You can't do this. But you know what Christianity is? Christianity is understanding that we are sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that we're condemned before God. And that there's no salvation for anyone who hasn't been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus came and died that man might not do this and this and this even though he will do things when he gets in Christ because he'll be like God. But it's already done. It was done on the cross. Jesus shed his blood that we might be saved. And when we understand that it is with His blood that we are purchased and that we have a relationship with Him and that He saves us. And that we must confess, according to Matthew, if we confess Him before men, He'll confess us before the Father. If we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, if we confess our sins as He has asked us to do, and if we take part in his death, his burial, in his resurrection, we identify with him. Now, we have been sinners, and we're all sinners. But the bridge across to be with him and reconciled with him is the cross. Is the cross. And the way you get into that cross, have appropriation of that blood, is to acknowledge Him as the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to confess that you are a sinner 
But you need his relationship and that you need his guidance and you need his kingship and his lordship. And that you want him to give you guidance and, and wisdom and help. And that you want to take part in his death. You want to die to your old man. In this parable, he said, repentance, referring to the, in heaven, about the lamb. Repentance, referring to the sheep. Repentance, referring to the son. When we come to him, we die. We die to sin. We die to ourselves. We become alive in him. And in Romans 6, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. But it isn't difficult to understand why the Apostle Paul who persecuted the church and was a Jew that wouldn't listen to the preaching of Jesus Christ for a number of years and finally changed and upon his prayer life of repentance of what he had done, uh, Ananias came to him and said, Why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. The Apostle Paul telling us, Yes, take part in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In another way, he said there, We're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for just as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Jesus comes to call sinners. What is your relationship with him? He paid the price. He's the one that made it possible that you might be saved and might reach God. Not because you're good enough and because that you live well and because that you can live so perfectly that you can go to heaven. That's just religion. But Christianity is a relationship with the person who is God in the flesh and demonstrated to us his power and his, deliber his liberation of us from the sins that possess any of us. And it is through him that we have hope and eternal life. Now, the denominational world as a whole, we just say, now, do you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? That's necessary. But let me tell you, you don't stop there. There's too many places that you've got to go through his death, his burial, and his resurrection with an understanding that he lives in your life. You take him on by faith and you're buried with him by baptism. And you're raised to walk in a new life and you're raised with him and your life has changed and you're a new person. And God has given you eternal life with him. You've been born of the water and of the Spirit. And we need to make it contagious. Sharing with people how that if they're sinners, Jesus loves them. He wants to forgive them. He wants to cleanse them. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. I 
I want you to look at that 30th verse. The 29th verse, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who for God is made unto us wisdom. He was made righteousness. He was made sanctification. He was made redemption. He's all of that. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now turn over in the New Testament to 1 Peter, the first chapter. The 16th verse. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we receive from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in his hearts, knowing this first that no scripture of the, the no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. It didn't come by man writing it. But the prophecy came not in old by of the will of God, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And it is through the blood of the eternal covenant. Back at the first verse of that first chapter of Peter, he said, he was a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness, not of ourselves, but of God. When God looks at us and we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and we have acknowledged Him as our Savior, He looks at His Savior. He looks at our Savior. He looks at our Son. We're made holy by His blood, not by what we do, not by the works that we do. We'll do good works because we're created in Christ for good works. But it's Jesus' sacrifice and his atonement that makes us holy and makes us sanctified and pleasing to God. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be saved. And that's the reason the people in this hearing couldn't understand they were criticizing him for going to people that he died to save. And all they could do would be caught up in their own traditions, their own form, their own doing, their own religion. And religion won't get you there. Doing won't save you. 
It's not by works lest any man should boast, but it's by grace through faith that ye are saved. And then out of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. But ye are his workmanship, the next verse, created in Christ Jesus. You're going to do plenty of good works because you are identified with the God who lives forever and who is invisible and who indwells the man of man. And it would be contradictory to his very nature and to his salvation of his blood for you to serve anything but righteousness and holiness. And he says here, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a member of Christ and you haven't responded to his love for sinners, he'll save you. He'll save you if you acknowledge that he's the Lord. You'll take part of his death as we stand together and sing.